0: 11-year MLS pro Quincy Marroquois here, and you're now listening to The Perfect Soccer Podcast, where your host goes one-on-one to get to know your favorite professional soccer players both on and off the pitch. Because how better to learn what it takes to become a pro soccer player other than directly from pro soccer players. Today's episode is brought to you by PerfectSoccerSkills.com, the number one and only platform you'll ever need to connect with and learn from pro soccer players. Learn more and enter to win weekly soccer prizes, goals, balls, jerseys, player meet and greets, and more by heading over to PerfectSoccerSkills.com PSTM to enter to win for free today. With that said, please enjoy today's episode.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Perfect Soccer Podcast. Our special guest today is Alex Carnali. Alex, how's it going? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. Um, I know we've been going back and forth a little bit or schedules, but uh, finally got you on, so I'm happy to have you.
2: Yeah, it's the it's the world we're living in today. It yeah. seems like ever it seems like everyone's busier than ever because we can connect and do so many things virtually. But uh, no, it's yeah. great to be on and, and meeting with you, Paul.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, let's go back in time a little bit. What what's your first memory of playing soccer?
2: Oh man, I I've been playing soccer since since I can remember. I started playing when I was three or four years old in the little leagues, but my first memory was probably when I'm eight or nine years old when I finally made they call it the select team, which mm-hmm. meant, you know, we're able to travel to to different cities and I was from Ohio. So being able to travel to Kentucky and play or Indiana and play play kids from these other cities um was a real honor for me at that age so yeah that's th- th- those were my first memories just you know going out there and playing you play three games in a day which thinking about that now is is mind blowing but you know kids you roll a ball out they they'll, they'll play all day if you let them
1: yeah no for sure um and then what about like you kind of just mentioned about like was there a time that you you knew you were like better than the rest or like something like that
2: It's funny because we started playing soccer. My my parents and my dad specifically wanted us to play soccer so we could improve our foot skills for you know like the real sports like like basketball, (laughs) like baseball, Um, and soccer just stuck. You know, we I I was a three sport athlete playing baseball, basketball, soccer until I was 14 years old, and then you know I made the decision to join um, the Columbus Crew Academy, which at the time um was a a new organization, a new uh a new opportunity for kids to play soccer year round. Um and these kids didn't play high school soccer. They, you know, in the spring, in the fall, they were playing academy. And I made the decision to go into soccer full time when I had the opportunity to to make that team. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that was my goal when I was in middle school and high school seeing some of these guys play on the crew academy because They pay for your gear, your uniforms, they would get you cleats. Like it was really awesome as, as a youth player who, you know, had just loved the game to be able to play on, on that stage, Mm -hmm. um, was amazing. So when I was 14 or 15 and I made that team, that was when I mentally decided like, okay, I'm going to give this soccer thing a go. And, you know, at that, at that age, you start thinking about wanting to, to get to college and wanting to get a scholarship. That was always my goal.
1: Yeah, that's dope. I mean, and also it's cool that you mentioned uh, your dad put you into soccer for your foot to get your footwork up. You're playing, <laughs> yeah. you're playing other sports. Right. But I think that I think that's a key thing too, because like a today, like a lot of kids just focus on one sport, and I think like playing multiple sports is good because you never know. Because now you're a pro soccer player.
2: Yeah, and it it is important because nowadays, you know, people are there's so much pressure put on kids to. Yeah to be the the next lebron james the next tom brady whatever it is and and um parents kind of get fixated on on their kid and their ability to go and play pro and do all these things but at the end of the day kids just seem to be happy out there playing and and i'm grateful i had the opportunity to go out and and figure it out on my own right go play these other sports um meet friends in all these different circles and then when it was my time and for me it was you know going into high school where I decided uh you know I want to give soccer a go and I think it's important um you know once you do make that decision that you go all in Mm -hmm. um but until then I think it's important parents let the kids play let them you know let let them play multiple sports um fail and have fun
1: yeah no definitely um, and then what about what was your recruiting pro- process like out of out of high school?
2: Yeah, well, but because I was playing with the, the crew academy, we had they called them showcases mm-hmm. um, where we would go and we'd play teams from all over the country in various cities. And I remember it was uh, the Dallas showcase or a showcase in Texas where um, the University of Maryland saw me playing D.C. United's youth team. So, you know, they're going to scout local, local talent with the DC United players. And that was one of my better games of the tournament. And that's when, when their coach Sasha, Sasha Sarovsky gave me a call. Um, I was a sophomore in high school at the time. So to, to already get some interest from schools was, was pretty incredible. And then, um, you know, I, I went to a few camps, visited a few different schools, you know, tried the did the Ivy League, saw what what that campus was like, and then I went and vid- visited the University of Maryland. Um, fell in love with the school, fell in love with the environment, the the soccer program, everything. And I made my decision when I was a junior in high school to, to commit and play at the University of Maryland, um, which was one of the better decisions I've made in my life. Um, went on to, to play four years there, was the first team All-American my senior year. Um, you know, won four conference championships, won in the ACC, and then we switched to the Big Ten and won three straight in the Big Ten. So I had a really successful time at the University of Maryland, grew a lot, um, met some of my my best friends and brothers there, um, and, you know, just had an amazing experience there.
1: Yeah, no, that's awesome. And then explain to me how, so after you left uh, college, Maryland, um, you signed a homegrown contract. So Is that because you were with the club before? So then like, what's your, what was like your, your, you weren't eligible for the draft or you were?
2: Yeah. So no, exactly. Because I played with the Columbus crew Academy, the Columbus crew had my rights. So if I were to leave, whenever I left school, whenever I left Maryland to go pro, they had the first right of refusal. So if the crew said, you know, we don't want him, then I would have been free to go into the draft. But, you know, that was always my dream to play for my hometown club. So for me, it was an easy decision. And, you know, once I graduated, I had a a contract lined up with the Columbus crew. So that way I didn't have to go to the combine, didn't have to go through the draft process. I was able to just sign directly with the team and and get started.
1: Yeah, that's dope. So like, what do people, what what do you say to people when they're like, Oh, what, what pick did you get drafted? (laughs)
2: yeah it's like I didn't have to do that you know and 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 I think going through that process would be would be you know would have been a great experience right going through all the the physical testing and playing in front of all the professional coaches um so while some of my teammates and friends were you know stressing over the draft and where they were getting drafted you know I had signed my contract a few weeks ago I was just enjoying my Mm -hmm. um my uh my Christmas break my you know New Year's break so um i it would have been cool to do that but i don't regret that you know i'm i'm yeah. glad i was able to to sign in and get right to work with the crew
1: yeah for sure um yeah. and then what what was your first mls game like
2: yeah i had a, a really memorable debut um and it's funny because it ended up being it was in a away game at dc united so i'm going back to you know r- right around the area where university of maryland was so i knew that community well and, you know, the the coach pulled me into his office, Greg, Greg Berhalter was my coach in Columbus, who's now the, the US men's national team coach. And he pulled me into the office and he said, you know, we, we had um, Jonah, one of our center backs was, was injured. And he said, you know, you're in this weekend, you know, you're going to debut, we're going to play this three back system, you're going to play in the middle of three. And at, at that point, you're like, oh, fuck, okay, you know, this is real now. Because, you know, you sign a pro contract, everyone's like, amazing you're a pro you're a pro but it doesn't really mean anything until you step on the field and compete right so now i had had the opportunity to go and do that and um we went into dc and we played a really good game we won two zero um you know i i don't think i i stepped the foot wrong um i was voted man of the match you know i was then later voted on the mls team of the week so for me it was like um, a really big moment because you know I worked so hard to get to this level and then to go out there and perform and and show everyone that like like I'm here and, and I'm good enough to be here uh, was really special and of course you know my family my girlfriend um, people from from school who who were still at Maryland came out and watched the game so it all around it was extremely memorable and, and something I'll never forget.
1: Yeah that's awesome and that's crazy like crazy ironic played for your hometown team and then you play for the team that you basically just went to college (laughs)
2: yeah it it was it was fate i i couldn't have written it up any better i mean maybe scoring a goal on the debut would have topped it (laughs) off but to go in as a center back get a clean sheet you know defend well um get the win was was special
1: yeah going to that actually um obviously you're a defender so you don't have many chances to get the goals, but you did get one goal in 2018. So what, what was that like to score your first MLS goal?
2: Yeah, that was awesome. Um, I've, I've always been a, you know, kind of a, a goal poaching center back because I, I was a forward until I was 15, 16 years old. Mm-hmm. So I always had a knack for a knack for the goal because that's what I was doing my whole life. And um, yeah, it was a play in, in the Columbus Crew Stadium, Mofre Stadium back home. Uh, it was a, a free kick served out wide, and my teammate Josh Williams headed it back across. We we're playing Toronto FC, and uh, Michael Bradley, instead of just making the clearance, he took a touch before to before he cleared the ball. And when he took the touch, I I pounced on it, and you know had a first time finish with my left foot to to put it in the net. And that was a game we were down 3-0. and uh, I came on in the in the second half with you know, 30 minutes left or so. And then, you know, we, we scored one, we're down three, one, I scored three, two, and then we ended up getting the tying goal and leaving that game three, three. So although it wasn't a win, it was still a pretty cool moment to get my first goal and to, to do it in a, in a, in a cool fashion with a comeback, like we did.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, in the last um, few seasons, you've been in the, the USL. So what's your experience been like that? And I, I also saw you got to play with your brother.
2: Yeah. Um, no, it's been really good. Uh, you know, I signed after my three years in Columbus, I signed with Birmingham Legion here in the USL, which is, for those of you who aren't soccer fans, it's the, or, or I guess regular soccer fans, it's the second division in, in the US. And um, I've had a, a really good experience here. It, it's the only the club's fourth year in existence, but they're building the organization in a really special way. And, you know, it's cool to, to really be a part of the growth of soccer in America. It's been awesome to see that, you know every year, the MLS is getting better, which is pushing you know players like myself, who five years ago, I should be playing in the MLS. But because they're bringing all these guys in from Europe, they're paying all this money, you know someone like myself who who could have been on a roster is now in in the USL and competing on on a, a really high level as well. So it's been great to to continue to develop and um, continue my career here. And like you said, my little brother, um, he also went to the University of Maryland. So when I left school and graduated, he came to school. So we had, you know, I had an apartment off campus and I moved out and he moved into the same room. So we just did a little swap there. He played through three years at Maryland. He won the national championship there. Um, so he's got that one over me, <laughs> but um, you know, I signed with Birmingham and was in preseason with them when he was, was coming out of school and and he didn't get drafted. So then he was trying out with different teams and then he ended up coming to, to Birmingham to, on trial, Um, did really well and signed. So, you know, being able to play any sport with your brother, but to play professional sport and be in the same uh, being the same team together, was pretty special. So we had a couple really good seasons here in Birmingham together. Um, And then this year he, he started uh, falling in love with real estate and was doing really well, you know, wholesaling. He slipped a few properties and he decided uh, early on, earlier on the season that he was going to dive in full, full time into real estate. So he, he hung up the boots and I don't want to say he retired because um, he's 20, he's 24 years old, right? It's, it's kind of a weird term to say, but he, uh, yeah, he, he shifted passions uh, into real estate. So he's, he's stayed here in Birmingham and so I, I still see him just about every single day, but, um, yeah, having that experience to play with your brother is pretty special.
1: Yeah, that's awesome.
0: Enjoy learning what it takes to become a better player from professional soccer players. Well, how would you like to work with professional players one-on-one now you can with be pro by perfect soccer, head over to perfectsoccerskills.com B E P R O to apply to work with our network of pro players today.
1: And then is it, is your goal to get back to the MLS?
2: Yeah. You know, I think, um, of course, if, if an opportunity arises, I, you know, I'll jump on it. Um, but I think I'm, I'm also in a really good space where, you know, I'm playing week in and week out. I'm able to compete at, you know, every single game. I, I know what the coaches and, and the organization expects from me. Um, my wife and I are, are both happy here in Birmingham and I'm able to, you know, spend time doing some awesome, awesome things off the field as well and I think I have a, a really great balance of um you know of of on the field off the field business um you know philanthropy w- whatever it is I I like to stay busy so I I'm in a really good really good place but that's saying if if an opportunity arose I I would certainly be interested
1: Yeah for sure um now you got to tell me how how did you get into into cryptocurrency and are, are you into NFTs Yeah
2: I I uh I am I so, my story really came from through COVID. Like I, I did a lot of research and, um, you know, learning about Bitcoin with you know seeing what was happening with the Fed and, and the monetary policy in the U.S. and well, really globally. But I, I, I was an economics major at University of Maryland, so that's what I had my degree in, and that's kind of how my mind thinks, you know, and the supply demand global markets. Um, really interested in how businesses work, and when I found bitcoin i became extremely interested and you know as i went down the rabbit hole i uh yeah i was hooked and it it's a technology that i think is gonna make a a huge difference in in our society i think it's difficult as americans or people living in, in the united states to fully grasp bitcoin because you would argue we don't need bitcoin because you know people trust the us dollar they trust the us government but I think we've seen in recent times that um, things aren't exactly what they seem, and and at any point, the the government, the Federal Reserve can debase the money in your pocket. So a technology like Bitcoin, with the scarcity and and the the immutability, I think is a really powerful. One, so I, you know, I I became the first the first American professional soccer player to get paid in Bitcoin. So I take. 25% of my salary in Bitcoin um, through a company called Bitwage mm-hmm. and their service is, is awesome, easy to use. Um, you know, anyone, whether you work at, at Chipotle or you work at Walmart or you work at Apple, you know, you can, you can use Bitwage to receive a percentage of your salary in Bitcoin um, or Ethereum or stable coins for that matter. So yeah, as you know, I got into the space through Bitcoin. But then, you know, I've been working on some really cool projects and, and a mentor of mine in the crypto space, um, St. Oakland is his, uh, um, you know, pseudonym, you could call it. <laughs> and, and he's a big NFT guy, you know, has, you know, 500 plus NFTs in his collection and his wallet. And he got me involved. Um, one of my first projects that I got into was, was the Cyberbrokers Collection. And I got on the allow list and was able to mint, mint a cyber broker and has um, stayed involved with that, with that project. And since I've been, you know, continuing to, to accumulate and, and buy um, different projects, speculate here or there, um, you know, I'm, I, I, I'd probably call myself a closet degen. You know, I'm into it. Um, I, think, I think the market is still trying to figure out what the, what the use mm-hmm. case is for, for like mass adoption. Um, because i think I think now it seems to me and maybe it's just because we're in a bear market, but there aren't many new participants coming into nfts and we're living in like this echo chamber, but I think it's so interesting the utility of of nfts you know you know for example, like a new way to fund startups yeah. um you know instead of go going and raising equity from you know from from v c you can create an nFt collection and and, uh, you know, raise funding that way and create a community around your brand, around your product or w- whatever you're working on. Um, but I'm long term, I'm bullish on NFTs. So I'm I'm certainly involved and uh, I've been following what you've been doing with your collection. And it's it's a really cool space to play in.
1: Oh, yeah, I appreciate that. I was just going to say, yeah, like, it's funny because, like, you know, I sell twenty five dollar hats physically and now I'm selling NFT hats for like one hundred and fifty dollars. But like, I'm already doing, like, I already been doing quote unquote utility before and like giving people free stuff and access to things. So now I just like brought it into that and I'm just like, like, I already been doing this and now it's, now I get more. So it's dope. (laughs) It like makes no sense, but it makes sense.
2: (laughs) Right. I mean, uh, I, I, you know, it's cool to build, um, the the ability to build community and create value for your holders i think i think long term there's going to be a lot of opportunities in in the sports world with access behind the scenes access to things um you know being a token holder allows you into these vip events you know there's obviously like like what we've seen with board Yacht club that that seems to be a model that has worked for them but you know, I, I think a lot of it, it's unfortunate we've seen a lot of projects that have been rugs and yeah. people are are shy because they read the articles about, oh, you know, you're going to lose your money here. The the founders are going to do the do the mint, take the primary sales and bounce. Um, so those stories tarnish the the um, the industry a little bit. Yeah. But I think, you know, when when this next bull run comes around, I think it's going to be explosive and and NFTs are going to be a big part of that, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think I think it's coming right now, soon. But yeah, are you ready for the last five questions? The Quincy questions—is your kind of like speed round questions? All
2: right, let's do
1: it. All right, what's the most uh, important skill or quality you feel made you successful as a pro player? Um, consistency. All right, I like that.
2: Week in and week out, just being able to show up—you know, on on your best days, on your worst days. Um, getting up the next morning and continuing to be there. Um, if, if you're not consistent, you'll, you'll fade away and, and people will forget about you very quickly.
1: Definitely. What's the biggest mistake you think pro players are making?
2: Arrogance, complacent. I, maybe not arrogance, I would say complacency. Um, you know, you sign a professional contract, you're now a pro player and you're always the best player on your team. So you made it, right? Like you made it to the next level. And this is why we see professional careers, you know, averaging two or three years, because once once guys make it to the league, they think they made it. And that's where the hard work stops. But it's really where the hard work begins. So if you're not, you know, keeping your head to the ground, continuing to grind, having discipline, it won't last. So for me, I think complacency really hurts a lot of guys and girls for that matter.
1: Yeah, definitely. I uh, so I ask everybody these que- these five questions and that's probably the most common Uh, answer to that question for sure um what what advice would you give a younger uh, player trying to get a scholarship or make it to a pro league
2: i would say network you know don't be shy about calling coaches um sending sending videos around to to different guys you know the the soccer community especially is very close-knit everyone's connected so if you have a you know a connection to a friend who knows this coach who goes to this college, you know, as, as a a college coach, you can't watch every kid, right? So the people in, in your coach's inner circle will, will take advice from, from those individuals. So being, being able to network with, with different people in this space will give you opportunities that you might not have had just trying to, to go at it on your own.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, These last two could be either soccer related or life related. What is something that most people think is true that you believe isn't?
2: The world is unfair. All right. And I, I think that's in sports and in life. I think people like to play the victim mindset where, you know, they they think things have happened to them. They think things happen to them. But the reality is there's a lot of things in your life that you can control. And if you focus on those things, then it's it's funny how, you know, life seems to repay you. So instead of worrying about the things that might have happened to you that, um, you know, was quote unquote unfair, you focus on the things that you can control, which is getting up every day, working your ass off, you know, reading, networking with people, spending time with family and friends, you know, do all of these things, be a good person, and then life will repay you. But um, to have the victim mindset to get stuck in in your own space that, you know, life is unfair. Everyone goes through adversity. I don't care if you. Uh, I, don't, I don't care what, what your situation is. Everyone goes through adversity and being able to deal with that and, and roll with the punches, I think is really important.
1: For sure. Last one. What is something you'd move forward with if you weren't scared of, of things, if they didn't go well?
2: Oof. This see, this is a tough question because I actually think I'm a, uh, I, am i am one of those people that don't feel fear failure as much, or maybe conscious don't consciously fear, fear failure where, you know, I, you know, I, I have a startup company, Parachute, where we've, we built a social crowdfunding platform, helping other professional athletes and celebrities find vetted nonprofit organizations, support philanthropic causes that they care about. Um, you know, I have my own nonprofit organization that I started with um, my, my best friend, Zach Stefan, US Men's National Team Goalie. I, you know, I, I try all these things, you know, I, I got into NFTs and lost a bunch of money, got into crypto, you know rolling with the punches. So I, you know, I'm not someone that's scared to to go and try the next thing. Um, I I like to learn by doing, you know, I, I love to invest. I love to to take risks. So I, I don't know that there's anything that, that I'm not doing that I wish I was, you know, there are a few, there are a few business ideas that I'm, I'm working on in the back of my mind in the Bitcoin space that, um, that I want to get involved in but it's not, it's not fear that's stopping me. It's simply time and just, uh, you know, developing those ideas. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that was a cop-out for your question, but, <laughs> but, but I like to think I, you know, I, I like to think I go for it. Yeah. I, I go full send um, for right. better or for I like worse.
1: <laughs> I like that. <laughs> well, Alex, I appreciate you coming on and uh, best of luck the rest of the season. And uh, could you let the people know where to follow you at on social media?
2: Yeah, no, thanks for having me on again. Um, I'm everywhere at Alex Cronali. Um, so you can find me on there you can find my crypto wallet, CrogNation.eth if you want to see what NFTs I'm buying. Um, but no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in the space, I'm, I'm willing to talk. I love crypto Twitter, So so let's connect.
0: Quincy Marroquois here, and thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with someone you feel will get some value from it. And if you could take a moment to leave a review of our podcast wherever you're listening, and let us know who you'd like us to interview next, we'll get working on that right away. You can listen to this full episode and more at perfectsoccerskills.com slash radio. That's perfectsoccerskills.com slash R-A-D-I-O. You can also enter to win free weekly soccer prizes, goals, balls, jerseys, player meet and greets, and more by heading over to perfectsoccerskills.com slash P-S-T-M to enter to win for free today.